From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker and editor of the CQ Budget Newsletter. And joining me again today is Jennifer Shutt, who covers appropriations at CQ Roll Call. Thanks for being here, Jen. Great to be here. So we now have a big power struggle to talk about today on the House Appropriations Committee because last week the panel's chairwoman, Democrat Nita Lowy of New York, announced she will be retiring from Congress at the end of her term. And that decision immediately set off what could be a contentious battle to succeed her. So, Jen, first, why is Lowy stepping down from a position that she sought for so long to obtain? It sounds like this is the end of the time that she wants to spend in Washington, and she's looking forward to spending time with family. And it seems like she's feeling like she sort of has accomplished many of the things that she sought to do when she came to D.C. Yeah, she had been in Congress over 30 years, we should say, right? She was first elected in 1988. So she's she's getting up there. And and she was also facing a primary challenge at home for this, for her New York seat, right? Correct. But I believe she said that that did not lead to her decision. Okay. So she was just, she was just ready to step down. Um, So now that, that leaves a big hole to fill on the committee, the top Democrat position on the committee. Uh, Who are the contenders to succeed her? So this could become a very large contest um, by the time we actually get post-2020 elections and House Democrats are are looking at who they want their leaders to be for the next session of Congress and whether that will be as chair or as ranking member still remains to be seen, of course. But right now we have we definitely have two and possibly three contenders in the race so far. Labor, HHS, and Education Subcommittee Chairwoman Rosa DeLauro of Connecticut announced that she will seek uh, the position of chair ranking member. Um, Marcy Kaptur of Ohio, who chairs the Energy and Water Subcommittee, also said that she will uh, run formally later on in the process. And then Transportation and HUD Subcommittee Chairman David Price of North Carolina said that he, at the appropriate time, will have, be having discussions with colleagues. And so it sounded like from his statement that he is going to get into the race, but he's not ready to just yet until potentially talking with colleagues and finding out where and potentially how much support he has. Okay. So David Price is a maybe at this point, but we do have for sure two powerful women on this on this panel who already had subcommittees both vying for the for the top slot. Correct. And lots of experience in Congress and really working yeah. out some of these challenging bills with Republicans because that's the one thing to sort of always remember about appropriators is that in order to avoid government shutdowns they typically have to work with their colleagues from the other party as well as the other chamber in order to get final bipartisan bicameral agreement on this legislation. They also tend to work very closely with leadership and leadership staff because of course you need your party the heads of your parties to sign off on these big massive multi-billion dollar spending bills. Right. So two powerful women, Marcy Kaptur of Ohio, Rosa DeLauro of Connecticut. Who do you think is better positioned here to to win this thing? Can you if you try to read the tea leaves? I would lean towards DeLauro. Um when she came to Congress, 
her and Speaker Nancy Pelosi and current chairwoman Nita Lowy, they were collectively known as the Delosis. They were a very close group of lawmakers. I like that, the Delosis. <laughs> <laughs> they were very close when they were sort of learning the way that Washington worked in the early and mid-90s um, and working their way up in the appropriations panel. And obviously, Nita Lowy has risen or I'm sorry, obviously Nancy Pelosi has risen to become Speaker of the right. entire House of Representatives, not once, but twice, um, and is a huge fundraiser for the party. Uh, Chairwoman Lowy obviously rose through the ranks and became the first chairwoman of the Appropriations Committee in the House of Representatives history. And so if you're kind of reading the tea leaves there, Deloro has those connections and might be kind of the heir apparent to that that sort of legacy and that sort of mindset of the Democratic Party. Yeah, well, it certainly wouldn't hurt to be close to Pelosi when you're trying to become a chairwoman of the committee, right? I so, don't believe that's a negative, no. Yeah, so she is in a strong position. Yeah, uh, but Marcy Kaptur is is um, a bit more moderate on the political spectrum when compared with Deloro. Uh, but she does have this seniority, and she also ran for the position of top Democrat on the Appropriations Committee previously against Nita Lowy because Kaptur technically has more seniority in Congress and on the committee. But unlike in the Senate House, Democrats do not use seniority as their sole basis. They will look at a variety of factors, and the steering committee determines mm -hmm. who they want to select to be the next top Democrat. Okay. So Captor has the seniority, but that's not necessarily all you need. Correct. Uh, and Captor has another problem with her caucus, right, in terms of abortion policy. That was one of the issues the last time around. Captor, when she was speaking to CQ Roll Call at the time, said that she thought it was that Lowy sort of out-fundraised her. Um, but there were also a lot of concerns about Captor's stance on abortion and expanding abortion access within the country. And I think it's important to note that Captor does have a 100% score from NARL pro-choice. So it's not like she's, you know, leaning into the Republican side of the abortion debate or anything like that. But she wasn't as progressive or as left-leaning um, as some Democrats might have wanted her to be. Um, so she's seen as more ago. moderate somehow. On, yes, on. several years ago. Um, but that is something that she might revisit now. She might sort of look at how the where the Democratic Party, particularly in the House, is right now on abortion access and that debate. And she may make different statements this time around. We'll just have to wait and see. Okay. So that's another factor that could play in, but we don't know. Uh, but it sounds like a pretty contentious fight here for, uh, of course, the fight. And it's going to take a while to play out, right? Because this is not, this is for a position that won't take hold till January of 2021. Right. We are in the very early stages of this race. I mean, this is mostly just like lining up the roster at this point in yeah. time. I would I would probably argue the race hasn't really started yet. Yeah. Um, and so I think there could be a position where this week and next week or maybe even in the coming months, we see other subcommittee chair, chairmen or chairwomen um, add their name to this sort of collective. I know um, in January of 2018, when then House Appropriations Chairman Rodney Freelandheisen, a Republican of New Jersey, announced his retirement, I think within a few days we had five subcommittee chairs um, interested in that right. position, which of course switched from chairman to ranking member after Republicans lost the House during the, the 2018 right. elections. Um, so we know that that's the number that they had competing for 
for that top spot for their party. And there was a lot of uh, behind the scenes negotiations that go into that. So we could have more jumping in here. There's still there's still plenty of time. Oh, absolutely. And you mentioned David Price, Jen. Is this any particular strengths you think he would bring to this that he could outmaneuver the other two? I think a lot of this depends on what happens in the 2020 elections mm-hmm. with the presidential race, with Democrats' attempts to retake the Senate, and in terms of whether or not Democrats maintain control of the House of Representatives, and if they do, by what margin of votes. I think that's going to be a really significant factor in determining their leadership for the next Congress. Every time that Democrats come back into power in the House, there is also a conversation about whether or not Nancy Pelosi will remain speaker. So that's something that I also expect will be taking place um, post the 2020 elections. They always kind of, I mean, in both chambers and both parties, there's usually a quick look or a very in-depth look at their leadership and how the party is doing in terms of seats and fundraising and messaging. And so that is something that will take place. And then if the current leadership roster in the House remains in place, I think kind of everyone knows how, you know, Speaker Pelosi and Leader Hoyer kind of work together and the type of people they want leading their committees. But if there's a completely new leadership panel at the top of the House Democratic Party, I think there could be some different calculations. Um, And if we kind of look at where politics-wise, the the chamber has been going. They've been leaning more left and not necessarily more towards center on a lot of the policy that comes to the floor and the debates that they have in the Appropriations Committee and in other committees. So I think all of that will be a factor. But of course, there will be lots of campaigning ahead of those elections for the top spot on appropriations. Yeah. So it's going to be a long, contentious battle ahead for this. Uh, and we'll see how that plays out. Meanwhile, we should bring people up to date on where we are in the appropriations process because we just had a two-week recess when the podcast took a little break, but we are back. Uh, Congress is back because there's only six weeks left now before we face yet another threat of a government shutdown because the stopgaps funding measure that they had approved in September will run out on November 21st. Not much time left, and even one of those weeks, the House is going to be in recess, so there's even less time. Um, so, Jen, where are we? What, what do we expect to see over the next six weeks? We are in a pretty similar spot to where we were when Congress left for its two-week break. I think the only thing that's sort of new is that in terms of trying to work out those 12 subcommittee allocations between the House and the Senate, House Democrats did send an offer to Senate Republicans. Um, and so I know those conversations are ongoing. Typically, this is the type of thing that goes back and forth a few times before they work out the final numbers. And then once they get agreement between the four corners of the Appropriations Committee as well as the four corners of leadership, those the chairman and the ranking member in the House and Senate of those 12 subcommittees, they'll come together and start working out the differences in their bills um, and kind of some of these policy language fights, which we think will be pretty easy to solve with the exception of like the three or four obvious areas where they get hung up every year. Yeah, so they are starting to talk about how to reconcile the House and Senate bills. But we should say the Senate hasn't passed any bills. The Senate floor has not passed any bills. Right. The Senate committee has reported out 10 of its 12 bills. So we don't, we don't know whether the Senate's going to take up any bills or just wait. It's all sort of nebulous. Correct. Not a great sign, but we'll see how that goes. Uh, we'll be watching for any signs of progress on, on spending bills this week. As we also track this nascent campaign to claim Nita Lowy's chairman's gavel, 
and CQ will be covering it all for you. That does it for us today. If you have any questions or comments about our podcast, we'd love to hear from you. You can drop us an email at cqpodcast at cqrollcall.com. My thanks again to Jennifer Shutt, our appropriations reporter, for joining me. Thanks, Jen. Thanks for having me. And thank you all for listening. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker. CQ Budget is produced by CQ Roll Call, a leader in nonpartisan political and policy news and analysis for more than 70 years. CQ Roll Call is part of Fiscal Note, a global technology and media company. We'll be back next week. Until then, you can stay up to date by subscribing to the CQ Budget newsletter. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, NPR One, or just Google the phrase CQ Budget Podcast. See you next week. Thank you.